Welcome to the latest episode of the Wolf Sports Show. This is David Chapin. We'll see what happens because I like to talk about all 32 teams and dive into them a little bit because I know not everyone in like media and the mainstream sports and NFL media does that. But this show might be a little shorter this week as we figure teams out. Teams are still finding their footing early in the season. Some have called September basically the preseason, although every game matters obviously and could make the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs and seeding and everything. Still, there's a lot to figure out. And hopefully after this week, we sort of know where teams stand more. So with that, we'll just jump right into week two. Tonight, it starts with Dolphins and Bengals on Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime video. Last week, the Dolphins, they hung around at home the entire time against the Bills and were able to get the win in the end. It was a bit of a weird game. But give Miami credit, they're now 3-0, the only undefeated team in the AFC. And now they'll face the team that represented the AFC last year in the Super Bowl. The Bengals got on track with the 27-12 win over the Jets last week. And now they're looking to get to 500 after four weeks. Tonight they play at home, and they're going to be wearing the all-white iced-out uniforms, which look pretty awesome. And overall, with the way the Dolphins have played to start the season, two is looking excellent. This is Amazon's done well with their early games, and this looks like a good one. When the schedule came out, people might have thought Dolphins Bengals was just sort of an okay Thursday night game. But with Miami 3 0 and the Bengals, all the firepower they have, it's profiling as one of the games of the week, I think. Then moving to Sunday, remember, especially those on the West Coast. You're going to have to get up at 6.30 a.m. if you want to watch the London game. Vikings face the Saints in London. Jameis Winston didn't practice yesterday, which was not a huge deal. I, I believe he didn't practice last Wednesday either. But now today, apparently he's not practicing too. So it looks like we might get Andy Dalton under center for the Saints. With, I guess you can expect Taysom Hill to mix in more at quarterback. Although they might want to keep him healthy as the backup if Winston is inactive. And Michael Thomas also banged up for the Saints and looking uncertain. Although it's worth noting they both did make the trip to London. So I'd think they want to push to play after making that flight over. They face a Vikings team that had a nice comeback last week against the Lions at home to get to 2-1, and one, bounce back from their pretty ugly Monday night in Week 2 in Philadelphia. Adam Thielen found the end zone. KJ Osborne caught the game-winning touchdown. Dalvin Cook got going on the ground. The one thing we haven't seen from Minnesota is Justin Jefferson. It's been kind of shocking. Hasn't done much since he exploded in week one against the Packers. So we'll see if the Vikings can get him going across the pond this week. Now to the one o'clock games on Sunday, the Seahawks face the Lions. Just mentioned Detroit uh, giving up the lead to Minnesota last week. That was pretty crushing. It looked like they were in control and set to go to two and one with the huge early season divisional win. So they'll have to bounce back. Now they'll play at home, hosting the Seahawks. They continue to be banged up early in the season. Tracy Walker, safety, really solid player. Unfortunately, he's done for the season with a torn Achilles. DeAndre Swift looks set to miss a couple games with the shoulder sprain. Amon Ross St. Brown is dealing with the ankle injury, although I expect he'll definitely play. I think a thing about the Lions is they need to learn to put games away. Like last season, they were winless for a while and they might need to get used to winning games drafting Aiden Hutchinson second overall is will help with that eventually 
as he can get home and sack the quarterback. Charles Harris on the other side. Overall, the line just might need to figure it out and learn how to win close games, I think. And the Seahawks were in a spot to go to 2-1. and one. Last week, they were playing at home. They hosted the Falcons, who were 0-2. It was a close game, but the run defense surprisingly struggled to contain Cordell Patterson. So Pete Carroll definitely will look to get that sorted out. And offensively, they picked up the pace a bit with the number of plays they ran. I've said before I like the way Geno Smith can play and can throw the ball, distribute it to DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Still, I'd like to see Rashad Penny in the run game get going a bit more after a relatively quiet first few weeks. And the run game for both sides, Jamal Williams leading the Lions attack with Swift likely out. The run game for both sides will be big, I would think, in controlling this game this week. The Jets face the Steelers. Zach Wilson is going to make his 2022 season debut, assuming everything goes well in practice this week, as he's coming off the preseason knee injury. Joe Flacco did a fine job under center while Wilson was out. Got the Jets one win in the comeback against the Browns in Week 2. I'm anxious to see how the Jets offense looks with Flacco out and Wilson in now. The receivers, clearly, they're happy with Flacco at quarterback. They like the ball he throws, and they've had success early this season. Garrett Wilson's off to a good start to his career. So we'll see how Wilson fares. And I know a lot of people are clamoring for Elijah Moore to get more involved. I'm not sure if Wilson will help with that. They didn't have a great connection last season. And Moore did most of his damage when Wilson was out of the lineup as a rookie last year. And Flacco checked down to the running backs, Michael Carter and Brees Hall, quite a bit when he was in the lineup. And Wilson might not do quite as much as that, but we'll see. And for the Steelers, last Thursday night was really disappointing to me with the way the receivers played. I just, a lot of people don't even watch the games clearly. They must just sit on Twitter while they're watching and not really pay attention or just look at the stat lines and not actually watch at all because people were criticizing Mitchell Trubisky's play. I don't know what they were watching. He put passes right on the money. He didn't play like super amazing, but he played really well, I thought. Put a few deep passes on the money that weren't caught. They weren't super easy catches, but they could have made a difference in the game and got the Steelers a win. Pittsburgh's receivers are plenty talented. They just need to be really focused and make plays when Trubisky's going to give them shots down the field as he did last week. Rookie receiver George Pickens had one of the catches of the year, obviously the one-handed catch uh, where he was like falling to the ground. At a crazy angle, he caught it with one hand. But then later in the game, I thought maybe he could have gone up with two to a pass in the end zone, and he kind of tried to go up with one. Just overall, it seemed like there were plays to be made for the Steelers to get the win in Cleveland, and it wasn't to be. As they return home this week, they really need a win over the Jets to get to 2-2 two and two ahead of a tough stretch on paper. The Bears face the Giants, two surprising 2-1 two and one teams. So one of these teams is going to be 3-1 after this week, barring a tie. Last week for Chicago, Roquan Smith had 16 tackles and an interception that set up the game-winning field goal for the Bears. So he basically carried the team. The passing offense isn't doing much. They are able to run the ball. Overall, Matt Eberflus, I think that's the formula he wants, run the ball and play strong defense and try to win it in the end. David Montgomery, unfortunately, left early last week with ankle and hip injuries. Hopefully he's okay soon. But Khalil Herbert, second-year running back, dating back to last season as a rookie, whenever he's gotten the ball a lot, he's been doing serious damage, and he's an intriguing player. 
So especially fantasy football people, if he's somehow available in your league, he'd be a nice pickup, I would think, for his upside. And there's no reason not to expect the same type of formula every week. The Bears trying to run, keep it close, and not do much in the passing game. Although they can still get Darnell Mooney, who's a fantastic receiver going, moving forward. And for the Giants, Saquon Barkley, again, looked as good as he's looked in the NFL. Back to really his rookie season form in the loss on Monday night to the Cowboys. The defense continues to play tough. The real highlight and something to keep an eye on long term is the way Daniel Jones played. He was just under constant pressure all night. I think it was 35 pressures. So basically when the ball was snapped, he was almost running for his life. He did damage with his legs on the ground as a runner. I think an underrated part of his game was the pinpoint passes he made under pressure. So the bottom line is he helped keep the offense moving, helped avoid turnovers, keep him in the game. And it's unfortunate he hasn't gotten much protection early in his career. He might be looked at differently right now. Although entering the league, people were super low on him in the media. And they probably didn't actually watch him at Duke. I do expect the Giants to improve on the offensive line. Hopefully through the course of the season. Evan Neal at right tackle. He's sort of adjusting. Played left tackle last season at Alabama. Hopefully when things click for Neal, he'll have two stud bookends with him and Andrew Thomas at left tackle. Bears-Giants should be a close and low-scoring game, I would think. A divisional matchup, the Titans face the Colts. The Titans won both matchups last season. They were both 0-2. They both needed wins against AFC West opponents. The Titans were able to hold on against the Raiders, and the Colts got a tight win over the Chiefs. For Tennessee, it was good to see Derrick Henry get going on the ground a bit. And his involvement early in the game as a receiver was encouraging too. Kevin Byard had a big interception and the defense stepped up. Cornerback play has been a bit of a struggle for the Titans. So we'll see if they can figure things out there. For the Colts, they seem to perform at times when you don't really expect it, like last week against the Chiefs, getting the upset win. The defense is still without Shaquille Leonard. He's been practicing, but not quite ready to play yet. Maybe that'll change this week when they host the division rival Titans. Offensively, I'm still waiting for them to get Jonathan Taylor going a bit more. He had a relatively slow start last season too. However, he's now dealing with a toe issue. It doesn't seem to be that serious, but he did miss practice yesterday. And he hadn't missed practice in his career during his college career at Wisconsin either and not during high school either apparently. So it is noteworthy, I'd say, that he's missed a practice for the first time basically ever. And he hasn't had like monstrous performances, especially the past two weeks, but he's still the engine of their offense, obviously. And if he would be forced to miss time, that would be a massive blow to a Colts team looking to get contributors around Michael Pittman Jr. The rookie tight end Jelani Woods did catch both touchdowns last week, including the game winner against the Chiefs. And Matt Ryan should elevate the guys around him all year and get more comfortable with the more time he gets with his new team. So yeah, the AFC South is getting more interesting, and we'll see which team can get the 2-2 two and two this week and try to keep pace with the Jaguars team that's 2-1. and one. The Chargers face the Texans. Houston is one of two winless teams in the league, along with the Raiders, although they do have that tie in Week 1 with the Colts. The Chargers, Justin Herbert did play last week, played the whole game, even a blowout, despite dealing with the rib cartilage issue. So that was nice to see, even though the Chargers didn't play well at all. 
They'll get Keenan Allen back this week from a hamstring injury, so that'll help. It's just surprising as talented as the Chargers are the past two years. They've had some duds at times, randomly, including they lost last December to the Texans, so they need to be prepared, obviously, in what could be a close game given the way Houston plays. For the Texans, Lovey Smith, I'm sure, is happy with the way the pass defense is playing. Allowed just 82 passing yards last week, had a couple of interceptions against the Bears. But the run defense obviously needs to improve. And offensively, they must take care of the ball to win games. They, they're not good enough to turn the ball over and expect to win no matter who they play. The Browns face the Falcons. It looks like they might be without Miles Garrett after he was in a car accident, a single car accident. Apparently he was speeding and the car flipped over three times. Thankfully, nothing too serious happened. But according to reports, this isn't like the first incident with Garrett speeding. And I'll just say this for anyone listening, like, just don't be an idiot. Don't speed. It puts not only yourself in danger, but others in danger, as we saw with this very sad Henry Rugg situation last season. Garrett was quiet last Thursday night, but he's a big part of the Browns' formula of wanting to run the ball and play good defense. Nick Chubb leads the league in rushing through three weeks, and he's just a total stud every week. Jacoby Brissett also deserves recognition for the way he's led the team and played early this season. He's helping keep drives going and making key throws, helping the Browns stay in favorable third-down situations. He had a great connection with David Njoku last week, and we'll see if the offense can keep it going this week against the Falcons. For Atlanta, you could say this for a lot of teams and situations, but they could easily be 3-0 if a couple of breaks went their way the first two weeks. They finally got on the board with the win last week at Seattle. I touched on Cordell Patterson starring in the victory. Kyle Pitts also got going. Drake London scored again for the second straight week, rookie receiver. Marcus Mariota is doing a nice job at quarterback. The defense might be a little undermanned, but Dean Pease gets them to play tough. And I'm expecting a close game between the Browns and Falcons this Sunday in Atlanta. The Commanders face the Cowboys. For the Commanders last week was just really ugly at home. Uh, against the Eagles. They basically ran into a team that's totally clicking early this season. The offensive line didn't play well at all, but Carson Wentz did hold the ball a little too long at time and taking all those sacks. Nine sacks for Philadelphia. And I talked about the Cowboys getting so much pressure on Daniel Jones and the Giants on Monday night. That might continue for Michael Parsons and company. They got to be licking their chops, getting ready to face the commanders after seeing what the Eagles did to them last week. And this is at home for Dallas. Dak Prescott got the stitches removed from his right thumb, but it looks like he'll be out again this week with Cooper Rush looking to help the team get a third straight win. The offense hasn't been like highly impressive, but Rush does a good job running it, avoiding turnovers. C.D. Lamb's gotten going. Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard have both gotten the ball and done a nice job. The Rams are up next for the Cowboys this week, so that will be big if Dallas can get to 3-1. and one despite not having Dak Prescott since week one and then potentially getting Prescott back for next week. For the commanders, they, I think, need to find a way to get the ball quickly to their weapons, uh, Jahan Dawson, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, their running backs. Last week, they couldn't really do much of anything. The Jaguars face the Eagles in Philadelphia. It's an interesting one. I think the most under-the-radar game of the week there are better ones, I'd say, like Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, Bucks, Rams, Niners. But this should be a really good one, I think, with the way the Jags have played early. And, of course, the Eagles are 
maybe the most impressive team through three weeks. Doug Peterson is out turning around the Jaguars. The offense looks really good. The year off, I think, helped him, and he's got Trevor Lawrence in a really good spot, utilizing the weapons, including James Robson coming off the torn Achilles, who looks as good as he's looked in the league. And I fully expect and would hope that Peterson will get a nice ovation when he returns, at least before the game. When the game gets started, all bets are off, and the fans will boo the Jags as much as possible, I'm sure. But he should get cheered after helping the Eagles win their first Super Bowl. And for Philadelphia, I like the way that Jalen Hurts is playing. He's unafraid to take deep shots. There was a lot of talk about his ability on deep balls, but they've been pretty pinpoint for the most part this season. He's giving his guys opportunities to make plays, including Devonta Smith last week totally going off in the win over the Commanders. Their primary concern has been they're starting so fast, and then they sort of slow down in the second half. That might be an issue against better teams, and this week against the Jaguars might be more of a test. And we just discussed the defense getting nine sacks last week. So they're looking to keep that momentum going this week. For the final 1 o'clock game, probably the highlight of the early games, the Bills face the Ravens in Baltimore. Along with Hurts, this game features the other two of the top three MVP candidates through three weeks. It's still really early, but Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are playing at a really high level. Jackson already has eight passing touchdowns along with two rushing touchdowns and plenty of success on the ground he's basically been carrying the Ravens through three games although the defense did step up and force turnovers last week in the win at Foxborough and for the Bills they ran 90 plays last week kept the ball were felt like basically in control of the game in the eventual loss you saw how mad Ken Dorsey was I'm sure the video of him after the game slamming stuff up in the press box, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. I saw Josh Allen said the entire team loved that, that he that Dorsey acted like that after the loss. And I expect Buffalo to be really determined this week. They've had success against Lamar Jackson, the Ravens in the past. So this will be a big test to see if Jackson's at another level as a passer this season. And I'm keeping an eye on Von Miller to see how he can get after Jackson and contain him. As he's the big piece the Bills got this offseason for winning big games and winning in the postseason. And this is a big game with potential, it's early, but potential playoff seeding implications down the line. And Buffalo added former All-Pro cornerback Xavier Rhodes. That's a really intriguing signing as Buffalo looks to get healthier on defense. And hopefully Tredavious White is able to make his debut pretty soon for one of the NFL's top defenses. Now the 4 o'clock games, the Cardinals face the Panthers in Carolina. At 0-2, the Panthers desperately need a win. I think I said that last week. They need to win badly. And they got it against the Saints. Divisional win. So we'll see if they can carry that momentum. Defense played well last week. Again, they definitely have a lot of upside on defense. LaVisca Chenault had a long touchdown for the Panthers on a, just a pass to the flat, and he took it to the house. Overall, there have been times that Baker Mayfield's been wildly inaccurate. But hopefully he gets more comfortable with more time. Again, he just joined the team late in the offseason. And he might have a bit of a chip on his shoulder facing his friend, Kyler Murray, and and his former college coach that basically got rid of him in Cliff Kingsbury. So we'll see how that plays out this week. And you know Mayfield is... If he can get a chip on his shoulder, he'll get it there. For the Cardinals, it just hasn't been great aside from the fourth quarter in Week 2, the comeback win over the Raiders. They feel a bit discombobulated to me. 
And it's most concerning because they typically get to fast starts under Kingsbury. And that hasn't been the case yet this season. That said, this should be a close game, I think. And Murray has shown he can make some magic happen at the end of games when they're close. The Broncos face the Raiders. The Broncos are 2-1, and one, but it almost feels like they're 1-2 and two or even 0-3. It was ugly, but the defense has been better than I expected, and they got it done on Sunday night against the Niners. They were the difference in the game, obviously. It helps having Pat Sertan Jr. as a shutdown cornerback that can travel with receivers. It makes things easier on the rest of the defense. And then Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory have done a nice job off the edge. On offense, I've said it before, I just wasn't quite as high on them entering the season. Maybe they can get clicking as the season progresses. So now week four, they've had some time together, a few games. That might help. And for the Raiders at 0-3, the only 0-3 team in the league, it's been a highly disappointing start. I've seen Raiders fans just pretty upset over the state of things. There were massive expectations. It's still really early, but I don't think any of them expected to be 0-3 after adding Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones this offseason and coming off a playoff appearance in 2021. I know a lot of Vegas fans, I don't like condone his emails. They were private. They shouldn't have been leaked, but I don't condone what Gruden was talking about. But I know a lot of Raiders fans miss Gruden right now, and they feel like he built the team up to be in position to get better every year and make the playoffs last season. As a bright side for the Raiders, Matt Collins had a career-high 158 receiving yards last week. So him paired with Devontae Adams and hopefully Hunter Renfro is feeling better soon and can get on the field. Darren Waller at tight end, Foster Morrow at tight end. They have the pieces to be dangerous and get on track, and we'll see if they can do so at home this week against the Broncos. For the final 4 o'clock game, the Patriots go to Lambeau Field to face the Packers. Packers are riding high a bit after getting the big win over the Bucks in Tampa Bay last week. Rookie receiver Romeo Dobbs called an early touchdown, and he's definitely looking like a potential number one receiver for Aaron Rodgers as early as this season as a rookie. He's built off his strong training camp, and he looks to have the trust of Rodgers. And the Fox broadcast, Kevin Barker and Greg Olson, they talked about LaFleur. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur talking about Dobbs and comparing him to Devontae Adams a bit, just some of the similarities. And you could see sort of the subtleness in his routes and how he knows how to get open. So he's a really intriguing player for the Packers. And the defense, they did a really nice job against the run. Containing Leonard Fournette last week in the win. Rashawn Gary in the pass rush is able to get pressure. Star cornerback Jair Alexander is now dealing with a groin issue. It's not thought to be that serious, and so hopefully he can get on the field soon after leaving early last week. But Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes, they can definitely handle things while Alexander's out. For the Patriots, Mac Jones is now dealing with a high ankle sprain. Before that, he just made too many mistakes this season, and it's been kind of shocking. Not something you expect from him. He's just trying to force things too much sometimes, I think. And there were concerns about the Patriots offense coming into the season, but they've been moving the ball fine. And that was a real concern, just not being able to move the ball. It's been the turnovers, which you wouldn't expect from Mac Jones and from a Bill Belichick coach team. And really, you can't give away possessions the way the Patriots want to play. The talk has been that Jones is definitely going to miss time, but I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure. I think he's going to do everything he can to play. He might ultimately be held out, but I don't think he'll miss much time with a high ankle sprain if he does miss this week 
at Green Bay. Either way, New England, whoever's at quarterback, they need to take care of the ball. And the defense, it should be one of the best in the league. They struggled against Lamar Jackson a bit last week. The turnovers from the offense didn't help. But the defense can keep New England in games and keep them competitive, even if Mac Jones does miss time. Sunday night football, the Chiefs face the Bucks. Hurricane Ian, uh, it's been really tough for Florida. Hopefully everyone's okay there. And I know a lot of people lost power. Hopefully everyone gets power back soon. There was talk the game might need to be moved to Minnesota. It still might happen, but fortunately it looks like the Bucks will be able to play at home in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans will be back from his one-game suspension. Julio Jones is coming back from knee injury after missing two games. And even Chris Godwin, he's been practicing on a limited basis to start the week. So it looks like he has a shot to return after he injured his hamstring in week one. That'd be big to get them all back for a matchup with the Chiefs. The Tampa Bay defense has been crazy good. They allowed the two early touchdowns to the Packers last week, but after that, they pretty much shut them down. So now Brady and the offense, they know that they need to elevate their own play and get close to the level the defense is playing at, and then they'll be really difficult to beat. The Chiefs seem to be trying to find their footing still on offense. Defense is playing well again. But the offense, I think it'd help if they can run the ball a bit more. I don't think it'll happen this week against his former team. But I'll look for former Bucks running back Ronald Jones to be activated perhaps at some point in an effort to jolt the rushing attack. Although this week against the Bucks, that won't be an easy task if they want to try to run the ball. And I'm anxious to see how this matchup plays out. A Super Bowl rematch from a couple of seasons ago which Tampa Bay dominated. And again, the defense is looking as good as ever this season early. So I'm a bit surprised. I know the Bucks are dealing with the Hurricane Ian. It's still surprising to me that the Chiefs are favored on the road, considering Kansas City hasn't really looked that great either offensively early this season. And then finally, as much as I want to see Chiefs Bucks, and I guess I'd give that the edge, and Bills Ravens, the game of the week is arguably Rams-Niners. Rematch of the NFC Championship game. Two teams that hate each other. Legit, they don't like each other at all. The Niners' defense has been insanely good early this season. But they're just 1-2. and two. People are getting on Jimmy Garoppolo for the way he played on Sunday night. I think you have to keep in mind that Garoppolo didn't have a preseason at all. He wasn't even like really with the team. He practiced on a side field thinking he was going to get traded. So he's been playing in what amounts to the preseason for him to some extent, more so than even the other teams that didn't play during the preseason. They said on Sunday night last week that he didn't even have the playbook while he was just practicing on his own during training camp. The bottom line is the Niners need to take care of the ball and the defense should keep them in every game. And the same can be said for the Rams, at least in terms of taking care of the ball. They need to do that facing a tough Niners team on the road. Matthew Stafford had five interceptions through two games this season, but he did not turn the ball over last week. So that's a positive heading into week four. The Rams defense, they've probably heard the talk about how good the Niners defense is, so they might want to show themselves that they're still a top unit too. I expect a heavy dose of Debo Samuel from the Niners, and we'll see how the Rams can contain him. Again, San Francisco, they ultimately lost in the playoffs, but they kind of beat up on the Rams last season, and they've had their number a bit. Elijah Mitchell helped set the tone in the Monday night win last season against the Rams. He's not going to be active. He's on IR with his knee injury. 
still the Niners are going to want to be really physical and make this a slugfest against the Rams to cap off week four as they look to get on track with the win and get to two and two. We'll end the show there. I wanted to make it a little shorter and that didn't really happen, but I hope you got something out of it, especially if you're a fan of one of the teams that might not be covered typically from the big media. Enjoy all the games. Remember, you're going to have to get up early for the first game on Sunday if you want to watch. 9.30 a.m. Eastern, Vikings and Saints. Some really good games all week from Thursday to Monday. So enjoy them all, and thank you for listening.